Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Freaks and geeks, what's up? James Coe here, and you're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. Oh boy, what a great show we have in front of us here today on a beautiful Friday. Go around the horn. We got the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin, Alice Galehart. What's going on, man? Yo. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Uh, it's, you know, it's Friday. Yay. <laughs> it's Friday. I didn't know what else to say. Yay. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, we also have Matt Harmon here. What's going on, man? Oh, cool. We also, you know. Yeah. Just, hey, okay. that's like the best intro he's given you in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Not a single <laughs> mention of that. That's true. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, should, I should probably be grateful for that. Um, here, th- I, I noticed, I, and MG, you could back this up and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel as if Gelhar and Harmon are much more lower energy slash extra salty. That's what happens when you give up beer. No, that's... That's BS. No, that's totally BS. <laughs> I, I just have you're you're referring to my hat, which I woke up and it's a Friday, and uh, I was just like, you know what, Dgaf. Well, I saw the hat on my dresser and I grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair to James's point, at least on your end, Alex, like you're not really a hat guy. No, and you like you don't look particularly adept at wearing a hat. Oh well, wow! No, it's, it, this, <laughs> is, this is true. No, no, it's, it's true. Because, it's because my head is so large <laughs> that no hats fit it. Yeah, like you can't it's, really you can't really rock the hat. So then for James to then see you in the hat, that immediately thinks like it's like anybody else like coming to work in sweatpants. See, like, I, oh, you're you're not really trying. I can't you? I can't wear a flat brimmed hat because my head is too large. It does not work. And like this is one of like two hats that I own that actually fits me. Okay. Because even one size fits all hats. Yeah. Not fit Alex. <laughs> <laughs> one size fits almost all. Like a hat that could fit Harmon's head, I wear okay. and I look like Fozzie Bear. So I like it. this hat is actually the 2007 ha- Packers draft cap. That's how long I've had it because it only. Fits Adam and I, Adam Rank and I, are going to have to get you uh, on the. Backward snapback, dude. I'm on backwards. I'm on dude, team backwards. I, I can't snapback. do it. My forehead's too big. Yeah. I've looked at it before. I've okay. tried it, and it doesn't work. Let me, yeah, let me back him up on this. <laughs> it doesn't work. Okay, because I, because I can, I can rock this the backward uh, snapback. And Harmon I, can pull yes. it off. I cannot. I, I, like, because I've a couple times like going to the burrito truck or something. Yeah, I've, I've worn it there, and then yes. I think you tried it once, and it was like, don't do that again. All right, we're gonna <laughs> have a great show in front of us here today. We're gonna get to uh, franchise's fiery phone, or we're gonna have some surprising fantasy points against. It's a favorite 
stat among a lot of fantasy heads, but it's FBA, trash. it's okay. We're four weeks in. Uh, we're going to look at some surprising FPA ranks and tell, talk about uh, what that means for the upcoming matchups this week. And we're going to do uh, EDG every single game. Every <laughs> wait, yeah, okay. that, that's ESG. Yeah, okay, EDG every. Darn game. Every damn game. Wait, I was going to say, we, we can't, can't say, say damn, damn on this podcast. Every damn <laughs> I was just filling my role as the, the jovial buzzkill. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Oh, gosh darn, guys. Such a, such a buzzkill. <laughs> and, uh, and we will get to some deep sleepers as well, but we start the show, as always, with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news. Start in Carolina, Cam Newton looks like he's probably not going to play on Sunday, still in concussion protocol. I didn't see the practice report today, but I he don't did think not he practice. practiced today, no. which would tell you, which would indicate Derek Anderson probably going to get the start. What does it mean in Carolina, boys? Uh... I mean, Derek Anderson will be fine. Yeah. Like, if you need a streamer, he's not a bad option at all. I think he actually might be the top streamer on the board, to be honest Woo! with you. like, Is that right? Yeah, Tampa Bay ranks 27th in pass defense DVOA from Football Outsiders. Yep. In the two games he started for Cam Newton against, uh, actually in 2014 against these very Buccaneers, he went for 507 yards and three touchdowns, 66.5% completion. And the good thing about Derek Anderson, too, you know, he's that classic backup that comes in and is like, all right, I'm going to feed – the dudes. I'm going to feed my guys here. KB. Calvin Benjamin had 692 in a touch and 8104 in a touch on 21 targets in the two games in 2014. Greg Olson had 883 in a touch and 10 and 1010 on 24 targets in Hello. those two games. So those are pretty good. Yeah, those are good. And you saw that happen on Sunday when he came in uh, for Cam Newton and immediately just started pummeling Greg Olson. That's the thing. I mean, you can expect that he's going to come out slinging it and he's not going to care. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Again, this is one of those things where quarterback performance and you know the fact that he may throw a couple to the wrong color jersey doesn't right. necessarily impact you if you're starting Kelvin Benjamin or Greg Olson. You don't think that maybe Ron Rivera would try to protect Derek Anderson a little bit by trying to run the rock? I, With I who? Know, I know Jonathan Stewart hurt as well, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. They, they might. He, I know Ron Rivera was salty in the news that they didn't get, keep their 100-yard game streak active, but – if this that's offense is going to move through the air. That's where you attack the Tampa Bay secondary. I'd be surprised, like if Cameron Artis Payne had a, a really really good fantasy game or anything. All right. Speaking of Jonathan Stewart, still not practicing, uh, as far as I know. Uh, Cappy or Fozzie? Uh, Cap. I, I would say we know like what Fozzie is though, because he's been a pass catcher there. We also talked about several times in the podcast how the running quarterbacks like typically won't check it off to the 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 downfield or the little running back in the flat so perhaps he gets even more targets after seeing I think nine last week so I would go with Fozzie like Gelhar mentioned Tampa Bay is really tough to run on but really easy to throw on so I, I would probably go with him this week I would say this though uh Carolina Tampa Bay it's the Monday night game so really what we're looking for is what will the I don't know if they're going to practice tomorrow but they they may uh and if they do you got to keep a close eye on it I, I tell you what Sunday morning just kind of look out there, see what the reports are on Cam Newton. I bet you something might come out Sunday morning, so just keep an eye there. All right, we'll go to Oakland. Latavius Murray, turf toe, doubtful to play versus San Diego. Uh, it's a dream matchup if you're a running back, and and this could have been that crazy Latavius Murray breakout game, but right now it's not looking like he's going to play. DeAndre Washington, uh, Jalen Richards even, 
could get a little bit of burn. How high are you guys on DeAndre Washington? Uh, I mean, I like the matchup's good. I just worry that, great. that the Raiders just are not emphasizing the running game at all. I mean, I think they're running it something like 38% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess with no Latavius Murray, potentially, that means – there's you know there are fewer guys to split the pie up between that it will be Washington and probably Richard a little bit but I just I just worry that there's not enough touches in the backfield for them to have a really truly huge game. This should be a high scoring game. Both passing offenses 100%. should be interesting and I I really like Washington as a receiver. He caught 105 passes over his last three years in college. The Chargers allow the second most catches to running back and it's in the NFL with 36 heading into Week Five. So. I mean, I think he's probably the play. He was the guy they drafted. I think him and Richards will, or Rich, Richard will uh, will split carries, and Jamey Zolawale might even no. pump in a goal line TD. No, he might go full Matt, Matt Asiato on you. So, no. what's the matter? Are you not Jamezed? Yeah. No, I was gonna I was gonna mention the receiving part of it, Harmon, because I think that's a big part of the equation. Because while like the FPA for San Diego looks great, they actually only allow like three point six yards per carry. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the damage has been done through the air. You said second most receptions, third most yards, but they've had six touchdowns come in on the ground, so that boosts that score as well. But this is a backfield where I still like it's gonna be too much of a split. If you have to play one, I think you go D Wash, but I'm I'm scared of it otherwise right now. Man, I'm excited about seeing D Wash out there. I really am. I think Me he's too. got. I think he's gonna. Oh, I think he's gonna have a too. great game. I think it's gonna be high scoring they're gonna fully i think they're gonna utilize him a lot i don't know I, I'm, I'm really excited I, I don't know to me i see him as a solid rb2 play he's like uh you know he's really a big value in dfs too oh, so if 100%. you're playing there i think that's like a, a must grab in in that situation all right tyler eifert who reportedly suffered a back injury in practice this week ruled out friday team is dead last in red zone efficiency they need him out there uh if he doesn't go i, I mean if you've been holding on to Tyler Eifert, just hold on one more week. Apparently, he, he's set to come back next week. Uh, at least the team is pretty hopeful of that. Can so. we play some Wilson Phillips to just hold on for <laughs> one more week? <laughs> one I know. More. <laughs> as, right. a, as a guy who has Tyler Eifert, and i just been waiting, 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 and playing that revolving door uh, of tight ends every single week, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow. There's no doubt about it. Uh, how about in Dallas? Dan Bailey suffering from a back injury. Didn't practice Thursday. Uh, the team did work out Robbie Gold, Kai Forbath, according to Mike Garofolo. Uh What's the latest report on, on Dan Bailey? Did we see if he practiced today? I don't even know if they're done with practice yet. That's a good uh, question. Either um, way. Why the hell are we talking about? He's a kicker. kicker. I, well, d- well, he's a good can, one, though. He's a good one, though. And, and, you know, he's a top 10 guy. I'm just saying. if Whatever. you have All I know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. There's. There's no way Dan Bailey's on the waiver wire right now. He's definitely just about 100% owned. And there's going to be some guy out there who hears this news that didn't know Dan Bailey was hurt. Yeah, I think the, I guess, if, the move fine. is if he's if he's injured, don't get one of their other kickers. I'd say just see which just see what else is out there. That's see what all. kickers available yeah. in, a, in a potentially high scoring game. That's like all. look if the Bears kickers available. Josh Lambeau, Janikowski, Mason Crosby, Josh Brown, like those people that are going to be in potential shootout games. Just go try and grab a kicker from there. Sure. Trevor Simeon there in Denver, limited in practice this week. Uh, we know that he's got a uh, shoulder injury in his non-throwing shoulder, an AC joint sprain uh, is the reports on Trevor <laughs> Simeon. If it is Trevor Simeon, if it's not Trevor Simeon, uh, I th- we talked a little bit about this on Monday, but if it's Paxton Lynch, what does it mean for somebody like Demarius Thomas? don't really think it matters too, too much. Um, I think that... 
Lynch does bring a more downfield element. Like we talked about, uh, I think on Monday's podcast, his right. average depth of aim throw was 13 yards, whereas Simeon's hovers around 7.6 average for the season. So I think it does bring a little bit more of a downfield element to the passing game. And, and uh, Demarius Thomas has been that downfield guy this year. But when you say it doesn't matter, are you also saying uh, on the flip side that Emmanuel Sanders will see just about the same amount of work? I mean, it's just so much volume. Yeah. Like those two, just it's a super highly concentrated passing offense. Pretty much exclusively flows through those two. So I don't really think it matters too much who's at quarterback. And you know, Lynch might even be a little bit of a of an upgrade because he might be more of a risk taker. Don't doubt that. All right, how about Eric Decker? He didn't practice Thursday. Quincy Anunua on the report with a knee injury as well. Uh, the pass catching. Uh, combination there for the Jets is a little banged up because Marsh, Brandon Marshall also banged up as well. I, I, this is, golly, man, they've been decimated at uh, the pass-catching options there. Yeah, I think I think it means more for the running back situation. Bilal Powell. Uh, Bilal, Bilal Powell. I, I'm, I really like Bilal Powell this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks, like, it looks like Matt Forte may play. He may be available, but we, we've seen him get fewer snaps and touches the last couple of weeks. But I think part of it for the Jets, in order to be successful in this game, they just have to do what they can to keep the ball away from the Steelers' offense. So that means they're going to have to try to run the football. So it, it may be a situation where between Powell and Forte, those guys may get you know combined 30 to 35 carries this week just to do what they can to keep Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell sitting on the sidelines. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has nine turnovers uh, over the last two games. Also to keep the you ball out of his hands for a little while. So. <laughs> you don't want to – and that's the thing. Like, I feel like – I feel like this is a game where the Jets could get boat raced, right? Like the Steelers at home, Fitzpatrick kind of, you know, struggling a little bit. All of his pass catchers are hurt. It's just it just seems like a game that could get Jet out Jet secondary of is a mess. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but they, Exactly. You know, I kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game though from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. Uh, garbage, garbage time hero. Potential. Garbage time hero. I mean, look at Ooh. Alex Smith last last week was doing literally dirt and then finishes the quarterback 11. That's true. In week four, because <laughs> but because by the way, breaking news: fantasy's really stupid. Like <laughs> Blaine Gabbert had 19 points last night. People, Blaine Gabbert had Gabbert, 19 garbage points, points. Still, I, was, I, about, was, I almost called them Gabbert points, but garbage points still basically count. Basically, the same. Gabbert Gabbert points. Just start calling yeah. them Gabbert points. <laughs> but yeah, because the Steelers' offense just puts up points on, uh, on at home. They average 31.6 points per game yeah. uh, at home since 2014. They make teams chase them, and I think Fitzpatrick like. If there's one thing he can do, it's just pummel his number one with targets. And yeah, that's why I'm I'm hopeful for uh, Brandon Marshall. I, I feel like Brandon Marshall could have a, a nice garbage time game for sure. I, I feel like if Nanunwa and Decker are out, though, you don't want to touch any of those, these other pass catchers unless it's nah. Powell. Like, do not go get ASJ. Do not get Robbie Anderson. Just steer clear. Robbie Anderson. Jalen Marshall. Stop. Sharon oh. Peak. Sharon Peak. Climbs yeah. the wide receiver. Yo, let's right. go, Sharon Peak. Uh, let me tell you though, it was nice to see. It was nice to see, see old Sharon Peak making like a really nice catch against uh, whatever team the Jets played last week. I've already forgotten. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he's, an, he's a talented player. I was surprised he fell in the seventh round. By the way. Seahawks, whatever. Seahawks. Who cares? Uh, it's in the past. I agree. <clears throat> peak, but let's move on. In Detroit, Marvin Jones returned to practice with the hamstring. Eric Ebron did not practice. He's got a bad ankle. He's unlikely to play. Minnesota, Stephon Diggs is doubtful. He's dealing with a growing injury. It really Wait, does not sound like Real quick, yes. back up to Detroit. Please. With Ebron out, 
like how do we feel the extra targets are going to go around? I, I, my sneaking suspicion is that it would actually be in the Anquan Bolden. State. Yeah, exactly, no. an Anquan Bolden type of yeah. game. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I hope not. I absolutely think it's going to be an Anquan Bolden game. <laughs> <laughs> this in combination with Andre Johnson being moved into the starting lineup, I feel like hello. And what year is this? I Andre, know what year is this. What's Andre going on? Johnson, the uh, Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald. The old dudes are balling. That's two thousand eight right now. Right? <laughs> I love it. Hey, let me I love it. Let me tell you though. Yeah. Uh, as as gross as it sounds, considering how the year started, maybe it could be Golden Tate's week. I mean, I mean, that's what I that's why I wanted to bring up this topic. So yeah, getting to Golden Tate a little bit, but Jim Bob Cooter did say this week. Uh, that they want to that he wants Golden Tate to have a good game and it's good to want things yeah right I mean I know that is that is <laughs> one of the policies of this podcast it's nice to want things but you know Golden Tate is the type of receiver because his average depth of target is so low that you can just feed touches to like would it really shock any of us if we come away like we're sitting here on Monday morning we're talking about an eight for seventy yards, like eight catches for seventy yards in a touchdown game from Golden Tate. I think it'd be more starts. likely we're talking about like an eight for thirty six in a touchdown. Oh, game. whatever. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to be at least a little reasonable. That's brutal. Oh man. Okay. So I mean, it just I just wouldn't rule it out. It's really hard to consider playing Golden Tate right now because his usage has been so low. He just got benched. He had a catch for a yard last week. But Oof. again. God. Maybe if ah, yard. Maybe if you're <laughs> so maybe if you're rough. desperate again, DFS sort of play. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the way you go. I don't know, man. He's got to do something at some point. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> I mean, theoretically. All right, let's talk about Thursday night football. Uh, do we was, have to. Well, look, I, you know what? It was a bad first half. Heated up a little bit. No. A little. <laughs> David Johnson was doing things. That was oh my cool. god, yeah. He's so good. He's so might, good. He might be all right. <laughs> I thought Carlos Hyde was fine. I do think it's time to upgrade Carlos Hyde. I, I right? Think, yeah. I, I think. I think. Come on. At least my fear going into this season, and I know you know I know Harmon was kind of big on the the Forty Nine er offense. What the my, hell is wrong with me? My fear, except Carlos look, Hyde, though. Look, I, I, know, I know. Your whole piece was draft everybody on the 49ers except, except Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Hyde. I mean, I'm, I think. I'm but, but I think our fear. I think our fear about it was that he was going to Negative suffer by being trips. in a bad yep. offense. Yep. But it hasn't really mattered. I mean, no. you know, whatever has happened with the 49ers. They keep feeding the ball. They keep giving him the ball. And just why – I don't think it was a question of his talent because watching him, dude looks really, yeah. really good. And it hasn't mattered what the game script is. He just keeps getting touches. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his – what's his yards per carry right now? I, I know it's not it's, terribly it's high. At, but It's around four. I mean, so it's not great. But, I mean, the bottom line is he's – Taking what the defense is giving him, and, and keep in mind, he's also playing a desperate, a hungry Arizona defense. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I was pretty darn impressed with what I saw from Carlos Hyde. I really was. I mean, I just love that they continue to give him the ball, even it, like when they're in garbage time. Like, oh, yeah. The garbage time oh, Carlos yeah. Hyde rushing touchdown is my new favorite thing in fantasy. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I was reading Twitter this morning, and – like one of the things I saw was Damian Woody, I guess, from ESPN suggested that the problem is not Blaine Gabbert, the problem is Chip Kelly, which confuses me because I feel like he's actually. I mean, you, when you've got guys like Jeremy Curley going for a hundred yards, that's what touch, I'm saying. When you've got Carlos Hyde playing the best football of his career, and I would give Chip some credit. Like last year was pretty clear he was trying to mash a square peg into a round hole with Demarco Murray, and especially in hindsight, it looks that way. I think he's managed Hyde really well. Um, I don't know, man. I, I know that that's the popular thing among NFL players to say, which is the league has figured out Chip Kelly. And I'm like, this doesn't have any players. I, I, exactly. I'm like, actually, ha have they? Because he's actually doing pretty well with 
guys like scrap heap players. I don't know, man. Look, give this guy some pro bowlers uh, and let's see what's up. I, I don't know, man. He He's like, to me, I think that he's doing all right. Yeah. Whatever. I'd give it some time. All right. So there you go. Any other takeaways from Thursday? Oh, Larry Fitzgerald, still good. Still the GOAT. Jeez, man. I, Jeez, I was, man. I know. He's so good. <laughs> he's so ridiculous. One other point I'd want to make. His touchdown catch was so awesome. I know. It's, it, I remember telling Marcus this this morning. Like the it, Drew Stanton, like fluttered the ball in the air. And I'm like, where the hell is that going? And then Larry Fitzgerald. I seriously, I'm like, there's no, there's no way that ball is going to go. Oh, exactly. oh, oh, okay. Oh, there's Larry oh, Fitz and pulled it in. Huh. Super smooth. No, <laughs> no problems, man. It was so good. The one other point I'd want to make on Thursday night, and this right. is actually just kind of a general point about okay. fantasy. Like John Brown had a catch for 11 yards and had people in my mentions about like, oh no, there's like panic on John Brown again. It's like you kind of knew this was what was going to happen. Right. Like you should have gone into this game with. This is a very, very real end of the range of outcomes. And that's just a general thing about fantasy. Like, sometimes I think – I went on a big Twitter rant about this if you care to go back and look at it. Like, sometimes I think the best thing to do is, like, don't take what you watch in games so seriously. And that sounds counterintuitive when you're talking about freaking football. But yeah, like, a little bit. But at the Explain same time, yourself. like, you have so much emotion invested into it, especially when it's your players. And I feel like it happens all the time on primetime games. Like, you end up counting you end up counting it twice. Like, you go in thinking uh, to, to, Sunday, to Monday Night Football last week, like, man, Odell Beckham might have a slow game because – uh, he's facing the Vikings defense. Then he has a slow game, and you're like, oh, Jesus, what do I do with Odell Beckham? Like, you knew that was going to happen. Why are you then freaking out about it now? With last night, you like, John Brown is playing with Drew Stanton. He might have a bad game. He has a catch for 11 yards. Oh, my God, what am I going to do with John Brown? <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, but I think a lot of it is at some point you also want to believe in the player's ability to, to, to yeah. think that they can overcome that. You know, like you look at Odell Beckham, and you're like, okay, yeah, the Vikings are really good, but he's OBJ. Like, he's going to He'll find right. a way to get over, and when he doesn't, I understand. Like, and I, look, I think a little bit on Monday night, um, not that I have OBJ in any teams, but you, know, you get a lot of questions about it, and you're like, well, wait, I don't know. What do you, what do, you do? Like, maybe there's time. To, you know, maybe, and I, think, I think we're all guilty of it to some respect, but I do agree. Like, I felt like last night, if there was any receiver who was going to succeed, with Drew Stanton, it was probably going to be Larry Fitzgerald's right. player. I didn't right. think it would be two touchdowns worth, but I figured right. he would have the best night of any of those receivers. He had a quarterback rating of about 145 when throwing to Larry Fitz. Yeah. That's a pretty good game. You, know, you know what this was as we prepare to move on? Was yes. This was the classic example of just throw it to your good players. Just throw it to your yeah. good players. You know, it, it, really when you talk about range of outcomes, too, the, the thing with John Brown was uh, I think the – the one catch, eleven yard performance is in the range, but also like a three catch, hundred fifty yard, two touchdown is also in the range, and that's kind of why it was so difficult because he only he yeah. got such game breaking speed that he only needs a couple of shots. Yeah, but, yeah like we were, it, we were dancing. Was Stanton really going to give him those shots? The no, touchdown, so that was, he, like you guys were saying, the touchdown he threw to Fitzgerald was like was like a sad duck. I mean, <laughs> it was. like that wasn't going to make it, it south it for the winter. The, the, <laughs> my, my point is just like not even to go back <laughs> and like hindsight analysis, like whether it was the right decision to play him or not. My, yeah. my point is just like – You know what you're getting. Yeah, like you, you yeah. should just – don't turn off your damn brain when you're analyzing fantasy right. football. Like, but take these sort of psychological principles into account. It's important. But we're all done with Michael Floyd, right? We're oh hell yeah! Oh, <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, we've got we've got something from Michael Floyd. Yeah, Bye. yeah. There's right. a there's a sorry, bro. Sexy fourth round now, pick. You guys know what time uh, it is, right? Is it? Prepare yourself. Yes. It's franchise's fiery phone-in of the week. My fire take is that Alfred Morris gets revenge on the Redskins. Revenge! Revenge! <laughs> ah! 
I love that it sounds like we're burning somebody. To death. <laughs> well, there's so much. There's so much heat coming. Some off of the, the phone. listeners have actually been burned from this segment. And speaking oh! of the franchise, are you there? No, I didn't mean it bad. I'm uh, not. I'm about to burn all of you guys right now. Let's go. <laughs> all right, franchise, go, man. Give us some fiery takes. All right, I'll start with my running back RB one lock of the week. It is Chicago Bears rookie Jordan Howard. I don't know if you guys saw the Bears injury report this week, but pretty much all of their offensive skill position players are on there, uh, except for Howard and Brian Hoyer. So it sounds like a game where they're going to load up Jordan Howard with touches uh, against a bad Colts run defense. He had 23 rush attempts last year, which is last week, which is more than Jerry Lankford has ever had in a game in his career. So they trust him with a heavy workload. He played on 91% of Chicago snaps last week. Um, and, you know, they have Joyce Bell there, but that, that's Joyce. not a concern. Get Joyce Bell out of here. They're going to load up Howard with touches. The Colts will allow the fourth most fantasy points per game to opposing running back. They're coming back from London. They chose not to take a bye week. They're going to be exhausted. Their time zones are all mixed up, and it's going to disrupt their weekly routine. That needs to not be overlooked in this situation. I like um, it. I expect Howard to be featured again for the Bears. And I can see another 20-touch workload for this guy. So beautiful. fire him up as your RB1. He's a great uh, value play in DFS, too, this week. All right, pal. Who are you worried about? Who am I worried about? I'll tell you who I'm worried about. <laughs> Charles Sims against the Panthers on Monday night. This dude, Doug Martin, went out. We all plugged Charles Sims into our lineup. Ooh, he's going to be a feature back, blah, blah, blah. You know what? He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's averaged 2.9 yards per carry in his uh, two games with 13 and 15 carries. Gats last week was against Denver, but I mean, come on, 2.9 yards per carry. We, we, we ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Things <laughs> up. He's got a knee injury. He's already missed practice this week. We don't even know if he's going to start, even though the team has sort of hinted he'll still play. Even if he does play, Carolina's allowing just 3.5 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Look, he's banged up. It's a bad matchup. He goes on Monday night. If you wait this out, you're going to be screwed and have no other options. So just bench Charles Sims and move on. All right, give me a fire take, pal. Wait, we got a sleeper too, right? Oh, this is what I'm talking about. Give me your fire sleeper, bud. <laughs> He's got the two same fire well, He's got a sleeper. Let me give you my sleeper. Do you listen during the second fire take? All right, my sleeper running back is James White this week with the Patriots. I don't know if you guys know this, but James White ranks third in New England and uh, targets and receptions through four games this year. Um, only Julian Edelman and Martellus Bennett have more. Julian Edelman actually popped up on the Patriots injury report this week with a foot issue, which is never a good thing like midweek for a guy to pop up. So that could mean more targets. Brady's back, obviously, which means they're going to be more pass-heavy than they have in the past. Logan is also on the injury report with a hip issue. Now, you might remember a hip injury ended his season last year. Obviously, mm. we don't know how serious it is because it's the Patriots, but... This isn't a good sign. If, if Blunt was limited in practice, maybe White got a few more reps in there with Brady. They built a little chemistry. Brady comes in, tries to knock off some rust with some dink and duck passes to White. I can see a situation where White has 15 touches against a bad Cleveland defense this week. I like it. All right, and the fire take of the week. What do we got? My fire take of the week, you guys, is that Zach Zenner finishes with more fantasy points than Theo Riddick against the Eagles. Woo! Oh, boy. Write it down. In Sharpie, permanent ink, this is going to happen. <laughs> the, Lions, the Lions are desperate for a spark in their run game. 
In the two games without Amir Abdullah, they've had they've averaged 2.8 yards per carry as a team after averaging 5.1 in the first two games. Our boy Dwayne Washington has been banged up all week with an ankle injury. Doesn't look like he's going to play. Uh, and yet, Philadelphia's defense is tough against running backs, but Isaiah Crowell and Jeremy Langford each scored touchdowns against them in week one and two. If they get down there in the red zone, they're going to give it to uh, Zach Zenner to plow it up through the middle because we know Theo Riddick is not a good runner between the tackles. He's averaging just 3.1 yards per carry this year. He's not a running back, guys. He's a pass-catching back. So fire up Zach Zenner as a deep sleeper. Whew. I like it. Double Z. Let's go. Word. All right, franchise. Thanks for that, man. We'll Boom. catch you later. Boom. Enjoy. Boom. <laughs> Enjoy your day off, man. All right. Peace out. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love I love listening to his voice uh, get all animated. Oh, I mean, he gets it so was fired uh, up. Man. Again, I I just really wish we could see the other end of the line as he's standing hey. in his living room screaming with no pants on. <laughs> his neighbors maybe we'll, uh, what in the hell is going on in the apartment? Maybe we'll talk to Shadowy League figures and see if we can't start <laughs> skyping that segment. Just do that as a, as a video segment, and oh, we'll get, we'll get franchise in his underwear. Uh, on no, the we screen. we don't have resources uh, for that. Okay. All right, let's talk about FPA ranks and some surprising fantasy points against ranks. We'll start at the quarterback. Armin's raising. His can hand. I first? Can I first just? Before we talk about FPA, can I trash yeah. on FPA you first? You can trash FPA all you'd like. Okay, yeah. so here's my problem with the, with FPA as a metric. And okay. I don't typically like when there's like one statistic to represent a lot of different things in it. True. Uh, that's always confusing. It's confuddling, and it can be super deceiving, especially... Confuddling? Confuddling. I just made that up. I know. I like it. I like the word. It's it was befuddling word. and confounding all in one. It's confuddling. It's confuddling. It's confuddling. I'm confuddled right uh, now. Yeah, I'm a little confuddled, <laughs> clearly. Uh, but anyways, like, the problem with it is is it can be super deceiving because it doesn't... Like, you're just taking all factors, putting it into one number, especially in small sample sizes, like four weeks into the season. But even football in its entirety in 16 games is a super small sample size. So my point about this is it, can, is it can be super deceiving. I think like it can be heavily skewed by touchdowns either scored or 100%. touchdowns not scored. So it's always like I just prefer to never talk about it. But if you're going to talk about it, if you're going to look at it, I think you always have to look at how we got there, like yards per carry allowed, yards allowed. How often was a team targeted or how often are they run on? Because really it all comes back to volume and game script. That's what fantasy points are all about. That's how they're cured. And so I really think that's more important to look at than fantasy points allowed. I think the best example was 2014. I remember the Chiefs defense was like super feared. Like, oh, they gave up a lot of rushing yards. Well, the th- exactly. But their fantasy points against were not that not that bad because like, oh, nobody just nobody scored touchdowns on them. Right. And then down the stretch, I think it was like week 11 or week 12, back to back. That was Latavius Murray's four carry, two touchdown, 112 yard game. Yeah. And then then CJ Anderson stung him for 168. And people were afraid of those guys going in there. So I think that that's just always something to keep in mind with this. All right, there you go. Now, that now you let's talk about it. it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I can, if I can at least speak the the mind of somebody who does use FPA, it's a as you mentioned, it doesn't give you great specifics, great details, but it can. 
because especially if you go to our, our website, NFL.com slash fantasy, uh, you could sort all of these stats, uh, defenses that give up the most rushing yards, the defenses that give up the most receiving yards to running backs, the most rushing yards to wide receivers. However you want to split it up, uh, you can split it up, NFL.com uh, slash fantasy. And again, I, I, the the reason I, I like FPA is that it at least gives you a general snapshot of where these teams are at. For example, uh, you know that the Falcons, that Detroit, uh, that Oakland, they have bad defenses. And, and as a result, they, they've given up the most uh, fantasy points to quarterbacks. Now, here's what's surprising to me. Last year, Philadelphia was also one of the worst or one of the easiest for quarterbacks to score on. But this year, they're the toughest. They've only given up 7.23 fantasy points per game. This week, they played Detroit. What does it mean for Matt Stafford? I am actually worried about Stafford. I'm worried about the Lions offense in general. I, you know, Oddly enough, um, I kind of agree with franchise's fire take about Zach Zinner. I think he could end up being semi-productive. But I, I, you know, I think with what we've seen out of this, this secondary, I think it's been better than it has been in the past. Their pass rush has been better. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Stafford. Yeah, I, 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 I got quiet all of a sudden. Like, well, the, the Eagles are, you know, they haven't allowed a passing touchdown yet from a quarterback. They've sacked the quarterback 10 times in three games. This defense is definitely a lot better. Uh, it, I And last year, see, again, come back to like volume and game script, Chip Kelly's, you know, hurry up free and out offense uh, was putting the defense <laughs> on the field all the time. So they were exhausted. That's why they were just getting whipped by teams down the stretch, especially David Johnson's like monumental game came against them. So I think this year they've taken a big step forward. Jim, Jim Schwartz is a really good defensive coordinator right. as well. Which, by the way, Jim Schwartz revenge game. Yep. Oh, uh, that's a, oh my gosh. Is it Damn, really? that's a good point. It wow. is. Uh, so this is a total, Stafford on high alert. Total revenge game. He's going to get, get back at the lines for sure. But you know, I'm not, super scared about Stafford I would be a little nervous about him but the game is in Detroit uh that does make me feel a little bit better uh the the Eagles are getting their number one corner Leotis McKelvin back uh but at the same time secondary to me from a personal standpoint is still weak they've allowed 105 yards per game to number one wide receiver so I think Stafford to Jones will be fine I wonder about Carson Wentz in this matchup, I'm actually playing Carson Wentz. I like Carson Wentz. Yeah, see, that's what I was talking about. I think in I think in uh, deeper or sharper leagues, I, I think Carson Wentz is is at least playable, especially against this Detroit defense. All right, how about versus running backs? New Orleans, we know trash. They Washington, bad. bad. San Diego, bad. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh is number eight, but they've given up the most receiving yards to running backs. They play the Jets. They've got two pretty good pass-catching running backs in Matt Forte and Bilal Powell. What do we make of that? I mean, we were kind of hitting at it before. Marcus was saying he likes Bilal Powell in this matchup, and I think with the workload split we've been seeing out of the two of them, with Powell seeing more touches the last two weeks than he had the first two weeks and also outproducing uh, Forte on those touches as well, it could be a decent game to play him in like a flex in a PPR league. I still worry a bit about his volume right now, but like in this kind of game where especially we figure the Jets to be down, that turns into a Bilal, Bilal Powell favorable game script. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised though if they keep Matt Forte in that role and still use him as a pass catching guy because I mean he's Not still saying they're going to ignore him, but he's right. also banged up. I think they'll probably try to play Forte out wide, to be honest with you, because Ooh, of that's uh, Decker and uh, Decker's injury, Nunez's injury, Brandon Marshall slowed, right? Whether he actually played or not, and you know they we always talk about how the Jets love to play multiple receiver sets, but they don't have a lot of receivers. Oh my gosh, is this going to be an ASJ game? 
No. No. no? Not even a thing. Oh, okay. No. But but Forte's <laughs> taken seven percent of his uh of his snaps from the slot this year. So I mean that's a thing we could see six snaps out wide as well. So that could be something we see more in this game. All right, there you go. How about versus wide receivers? Tampa Bay the softest. They're giving up a whopping thirty two fantasy points per game. They're bad. It's so amazing. They are bad. They don't have because keep in mind they also played the Rams, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's and got amazing. roasted. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's another point. Like looking for context in FBA is like who have they played? But then when you right. see like, <laughs> you see oh, that much the Rams, oh, hell, you're they, like, oh yeah, yeah that, right. Uh, that's that's, that's not, good. not good. That's not great, Bob. Right? Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be one thing if it's the Steelers and you're like, oh man, they faced Antonio Brown. Man, that's rough. No, no, nope. yeah, right. Like some teams, <laughs> like oh, they rank 32nd in FPA. Well, they've played AJ Green, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> and Antonio Brown. Well, no kidding. But then you you're giving up TDs to Brian Quick. Right. Well. <laughs> okay, so they play Carolina Monday. Uh, what do we make of the pass catchers there? Huge Calvin Benjamin. Uh, huge, all all huge the Calvin, Calvin Benjamin. Benjamin. All huge. the Calvin Benjamin. All, even with Derek Anderson, all the Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. Is this a sneaky Ted Ginn play? Could be. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Getting beat over the top. We're seeing it repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I think I think this will end up being the Benjamin v. Mike Evans show. On Monday night. Oh, that's gonna be yeah. good. Evans, yeah. Evans, I think is gonna go <laughs> that's off. That's gonna be too. good. <laughs> so Can't wait that. to watch that. That's gonna be good. Uh, Oakland is right there, as we know about. But third, surprisingly to me, anyways, Green Bay. They give up thirty points per game to the wide receivers. Uh, I'll go to the resident Green Bay guy, Alex Gelhar. What do you make of that? Well, teams can't run against the Packers right oh. now, and in a and you think about it too. In two of the three games the Packers played, they got up by a decent margin, so that forces teams to pass against them a lot. Sam Shields has been out with a concussion for two of the weeks. He's going to be out again. We saw Dance go they've played. Ham. They've also played some good receivers. They played Allen Robinson, Stephon Diggs, and Marvin Jones, who combined went for uh, 21 catches for 459 yards and three touchdowns against the Holy Packers. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah, Demarius uh, Randall did a pretty good job against Allen Robinson in week one, but he allowed a perfect passer rating to Diggs and Jones in back-to-back weeks. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of it is because – and you see this with some defenses, Tampa Bay is another one. Like, because you can't run on them, you just pick on them on the pa- against the pass. And is they, Sam Shields playing this weekend? He is, he is not. not. I do think that that yeah. will make a difference. Yeah, that should help. Back. Well, they're playing New York. Is this a big-time OBJ game? Yeah. I mean, when you asked us, spoiler alert, when we get into the matchups, just to kind of have one thing we talked about, I was wondering if Beckham's going to break the single-game receiving (laughs) record against the Packers. Interesting. You look at it with the way everything's sliding up in that game, I mean, there's all the talk about him in the media right now, the, oh, his emotions, blah, blah, blah. It's a primetime game. He's back on Sunday night football. Like, oh, God. Can we talk real football for just a second here uh, regarding OBJ? Let's do it. Is he going to go full Terrell Owens on us here? Who cares? Like, I feel like he's two weeks away from doing, you know, shirtless sit-ups in his driveway. <laughs> I, I hope he does. Like, I mean, Tio, I'm like worried. Man, Tio was great. No, Tio was great. I'm just saying. I mean, remember, he the, the way he ended his Philadelphia reign is like. I don't I don't think. Here's the thing. Because it's a, you know, it's a new year. It's 2016. And, yes. and, and Odell Beckham is his own man. Okay. Um, It won't be shirtless sit-ups. It'll be like a shirtless you got served dance routine on Instagram. That he'll <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, about right. it's like uh, we see the tears on the sideline. Check. Uh, crazy <laughs> rants. Check. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I feel like he's going to pick up some barbells and just start doing some ripping some shirtless curls in the driveway soon. He's going to be doing press conferences from the front lawn. Like, <laughs> is Drew Rosenhaus his that's, agent? Because I mean, next question. That's, yeah, I know. Next question. I don't, dude. I'm just, I'm worried. That's all. All right, uh, Minnesota. By the way, in uh, in regards to FPA versus wide receivers, uh, Minnesota and Houston are the second and third toughest versus wide receivers. Guess what? 
they play each other. I'm not starting like anybody in that game if I can help it. That's a scary matchup. There's no question about it. I, I mean, even if you're a, a D Hop guy, who I I mean, I know D Hop yeah, is underperformed. It's I, I, I would I stay away. From I, him. I benched yeah. him in my PPR dynasty league. Yeah, Did you really? I, I suggest that wow. he's. I suggest him as a sit this week. I've got Ooh. good other other good wide receivers, but like it. I mean, I was just like, I can't run that risk. It's going to be a low scoring affair. Feels like it's going to be. Of course, we uh, say yeah. that, and this game's going to be 31 to 36. <laughs> All right, there you go. FBA versus tight ends. ATL, Detroit, terrible versus tight ends. Carolina is the fourth easiest, though. They play Tampa Bay. Is it time to make America break again? It is. Heck yeah. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> oh, you hear that? That's that camera break train coming again. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I've had to concede on this one because I really fought against it, but. Yep. Uh, I've got to concede. Yeah, okay. it's uh, he's that dude now. He's the guy in Tampa. So well, they don't have really any other receivers. That's the big thing. It's pretty much Mike Evans it's and Mike Evans. And Bray. Bray. How dare yeah. you slander Adam Humphreys? Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they've allowed four touchdowns to tight ends, eighteen catches, two hundred fifty-four yards, and I mean, right now their safety position is weak. Their cornerback position is weak too. But Braid has pretty much been the guy in the red zone since ASJ ton of targets. Yeah, I think he's had ton. six targets in the red zone in just the last two games. Beautiful. So, I mean, that's where – and really, if you're if you're playing like a non-stud tight end, you're basically like, oh, geez, just catch touchdowns. And I think uh, – <laughs> Pretty think much. That's pretty Brate's much a good what, bet for – Yeah, yeah. Brate's a right. good, good bet for one. Uh, Cleveland has given up the third most yards to the tight end position. They play Tom Brady coming back and Rob Gronkowski. You mean Martellus, Martellus Bennett? Martellus Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't, I mean, Gronk, <laughs> it's Gronk, all the Marty B? I'm excited there, but this is one of the cases where, like, and I saw a lot of people chirping on this on Twitter, and it makes sense. They were, like, they were using these last, like, two weeks as a, this isn't a don't start your studs, or, like, this is against that kind of analysis. But, like, the first week, we had no idea what was going to happen with Gronk. And then more, you know, came out in the second week. He played a lot more snaps. But if anybody before that game was going to tell you that he was only going to run 13 pass patterns on his right. 41 snaps, they're, like, fooling themselves. At this point, I think we have to scale back. Like I, the one league I have Gronk in, he's on my bench right now because you just can't play him until he's healthy. There have been numerous reports, Mike Garofolo on Good Morning Football, other things talking about how his hamstring's not right and stuff like that. So we just have to read what you know the Patriots are giving us, which is admittedly never much, and sit Gronk for now. But it's a good game for Martellus Bennett, that's for sure. I love the fact that uh, New England Patriot fans, too, it's because the team gives you no info and they give you so much misinformation. There's no fan base that has more truthers in it. <laughs> the Patriots. They, they uh, come up with so many conspiracies. It's amazing. I, I don't know. Have you read the JS comments? Oh, the Twitter JS handle recently? That's true. Because I uh, think Packer fans might be pretty crazy. They just true. your fan base seems to just tilt so they, they hard. Do. And you know what the common denominator is between these two franchises? Privilege. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> privilege. It's I just mean, all like, privilege. Like, exactly. Like, it's like, I, oh hey, you guys won a bunch of Super Bowls. Great, good for there you. There are plenty of Packer fans. I feel like myself jerks. included that are able to keep it on the level. But like in my lifetime, yeah. I know I honestly only know like that I can remember because I wasn't watching football when I was two. But yeah. like I only can remember like two lose, two or three losing seasons. See, and, and like, in my lifetime, and those of us who have been beaten, you know, happiness <laughs> out of us. <laughs> or just, or just never expect good things. Your your team goes to the Super Bowl one year, and then the next year you're sitting in a podcast studio talking about how they're going to be one in fifteen because that's life. Embrace sadness. Oh man. Okay. But yeah, Mar- Marty Marty B. Great great Marty play this B. Week. 
God. Yeah, I think he's a solid play. But the thing about Gronk is, like, would anybody be surprised if it's, like, no. two catches uh, for th- no. on three targets for, for two touchdowns? touchdowns? No, nope. not at all. No. Exactly. Uh, one before we move on from these tight ends. Uh, don't sleep on Zach Ertz. He's coming back this coming week. Coming back. You mentioned Detroit is Start your tight ends tight end. against the Lions. They, they're missing players in the, in the middle of their field with DeAndre Levy out. Like, this could be a big game for Zach Ertz coming back. But it's Zach. But it's Zach Ertz. I'm with you. I'm with you on it. I'm just saying, like, with four teams on by, like, four good tight ends Kelsey, Jimmy Graham, God forbid, Colby Fleener. Like, he's a good tight end. If you, that's why I said, God forbid, Colby Fleener. If you need a tight end, Zach Ertz could have been dropped because he was out for like three straight weeks. Yeah, they've allowed five touchdowns, most in the NFL. There's only been 20 catches against them. And my only problem with that is, like, the one thing Zach Ertz is not good at is scoring touchdowns. He's never been a good red zone player. He's never been a big touchdown scorer, even going back to Stanford. Uh, so he's going to have to rip him up for yardage, which is certainly possible, too. Oh, man. All right, let's get into the deep sleeper, shall we? Uh, you mentioned it. Saints, Jags, Seahawks, and Kansas City all on buys. A lot it's, of good players on those teams. Oh, yeah. It's Friday, so the waiver wires has, has already run. Um, there are some desperate owners out there, though, with the bye weeks and especially all these injuries that have begun to pile up as well as we go into week five. So let's talk about deep sleepers. I want to go around the horn. Can you guys give me one deep sleeper that most owners can go out and get on the waiver wire right now and play? Not put on the bench, but play on Sunday. Alex Gelhart, we'll start with you. Well, mine, we talked about... Uh, this other player on uh, Monday's podcast, Eddie Royal, he's kind of been quietly very efficient for the Bears, and with Kevin White landing on IR, assumed Eddie Royal was going to step up and make play a bigger part in the offense. Right. Eddie Royal hasn't practiced all week. It doesn't look like he's going to He didn't go. practice today on Friday either. He's probably not going to play, which means that opens the door for Cameron Meredith to come in and play Ooh, as a deep sleeper. Cameron Meredith. I Cameron love Meredith. It. Is, I love it. It's like their third wide receiver. He, <laughs> he played 26 snaps last week. It was the most he's played this year. 19 of them came in the second half after Kevin White went down. Okay. I think he uh, played all 17 after. After like, White went down? Yeah, like the 17 snaps after White went down, he played, he played all on all of them. That would make sense. He caught, only caught four of his five targets for 28 yards, but like they're going to need somebody else in this offense. It's They're playing a bad secondary. If Fonte Davis does shadow Alshon Jeffrey, Meredith's going to get the more favorable matchups. He's a guy that is literally owned in like 0% of leagues. I actually just had to add him in a deeper PPR league. That's and I'm, crazy. I'm probably playing him this weekend. But Gross. He's I, tall, right? He's tall, he's tall right? tall, yeah. If I remember right, he's he's like 6'3 or something like oh, that. Oh, that's but, not bad. But I thought me, we were talking about like 5'10 possession. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's, okay. Let me give you some specs on Cameron Meredith here right, real please. quick. He is 6'3, 201. Uh, and where did he go to school? Illinois State. Illinois. Oh, so he's the hometown kid. Hometown the Red, the Redbirds. Redbirds. Oh, that's like a good it. pull, Marcus. Really? Right. But he undrafted, you know undrafted on it in 2015. Yeah. He's he's barely played. He was one of those guys that was randomly catching touchdowns last year for the Bears. Like when you're like, who? Like that helps no one kind of player. But Cameron, I'm telling you what, this, Cameron this, Meredith. This could be it. This could be a, a higher scoring game with two meh defenses, and uh, Cameron Meredith could see plenty of targets. I All like right. it. There you go. Uh, MJ, my guy, Marcus Grant. Give me one. Uh, you're gonna like this, James, because yeah. you were on this dude a couple weeks ago. CJ. Yuzama. CJ Yuzama. Or sorry, Yuzama, I believe, is the actual pr- proper pronunciation. Okay. Um, really it was because I was really excited about Tyler Eifert coming back this week. I know we right. talked about it a little bit earlier. We're going to have to wait at least one more week for him to come back. But Dallas has not been good against tight ends. And, you know, we talked about FPA, so cover your ears, Matt Harmon. Um, I can't. I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> my bad. Uh, but the one thing that is undeniable – the Cowboys have given up seven red zone touchdowns to tight ends, which is more than any other team in the league. Uzama is not going to be a guy who gets a ton of targets all over the field, 
But we've seen how badly the Bengals have struggled in the red zone. I mean, they obviously miss Eifert there, but why not maybe light up Uzama with a couple of targets when you get down around the five-yard line and see what he can do? Um he so, has red zone targets, too. He's got yeah. red zone targets. They have tried to get him the ball there. As it it they hasn't, have, it hasn't quite worked. They have tried. He has not been willing. They well, have tried <laughs> no, no, no. I still think that one, I mean, I, as the catch expert, I'm using oh, huge air quotes of because I, I am always wrong on catch rulings. I, oh, my God. I will never forget last year when there was Odell, the Beckham, touchdown, the Beckham right? touchdown yeah. when you're like, guys, it's a catch. And just like such a. Such a confident air in your voice. Like, it yeah, it's, it's a catch. It's a catch. And I'm like, you don't know, dude. Stop. You're making an ass of yourself. You don't know. And sure enough, not a catch. Not a catch. I mean, it was, it was based off of all the other rulings we'd seen, similar ones that had happened. Like, I, I, we're not going to get into that. But to the <laughs> point of Yuzuma, uh, <laughs> he has four red zone targets in uh, in the three games. Uh, or maybe, if maybe he's played in all four. Yeah, he has played in all four. Mm-hmm. But he has four red zone targets, two inside the ten. One of them was a touchdown, at least in my eyes. But. <laughs> well, hey, it's possible. It is possible. Matt Harm, give me a deep sleeper. Yeah, so this is kind of a leverage play off of the fact that the uh, the lines are so bad at covering tight ends. I kind of like Doriel Green, Bel- Beckham, and Nelson Aguilar this week. The uh, yeah. Lions rank 32nd in pass defense DVOA from football outsiders. Okay. They rank 22nd at defending number one wide receivers, 22nd at defending number two wide receivers, and 32nd at defending all the other wide receivers, huh. uh, whatever that means. Okay. But uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, they said that, uh, to quote Doug Peterson exactly, his package is growing this week, oh, which boy. is uh, phrasing. Uh, phrasing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's going to get more playing time, I think that that could be interesting. He's recorded 22% of his yards in the slot, where so he's kind of splitting time with Jordan Matthews there, who we know is playing more outside. Right. So if he's going to run some slots or some slot routes, uh, against those kind of coverage safeties and linebackers that have been giving up a lot of production to tight ends in the okay. red zone. Wouldn't shock me if he scores his first touchdown as an eagle. I, I like that kind of play. Nelson Aguilar obviously has played a lot of snaps. It'll be interesting to see who he draws coverage from because Matthews should not, probably not won't get will not get shadowed by right. Darius Slay, who's their best corner. But if he draws any of Nevin, Nevin Lawson, then I think Aguilar can get over too. I think Jordan Matthews is going to have a big day, by the way. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I mean, I think that the, the obvious plays are Ertz and Matthews in this game, mm-hmm. but if you're looking for uh, some desperation plays, I think that these two guys could be that. All right, I'll give you one. How about Marquise Goodwin there for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, widely fast. available. He is super fast. He ran like a four. He's a he's a, a legit uh, Olympian. He he was in the 2012 uh, U.S. Olympic team. So the guy's a, a, a great athlete. But here's the thing about the Rams: they have given up. Uh, a lot of receiving yards, I think the third most, to wide receivers. And not only that, they're also prone uh, to the big play. They've given up a 29-yard pass uh, in every single game or more, 29 yards or more pass uh, to in every single game. And it's always to, like, the secondary receiver. It was like Tyler Lockett, Adam Humphreys, uh, guys that are not necessarily their number ones, so they're giving up long plays there. Well, geez, I mean – that fits all the profiles of Marquise Goodwin. He likes to go deep. He's a secondary wide receiver. And I also think about what uh, the Bills like to do offensively, Tyrod Taylor in particular. He likes to go deep. I, I, I think it's I think it's at least an interesting play. Again, he's not going to get a ton of volume. I mean, I would imagine he's going to see, you know, five targets at most in this ball game. But if he can convert two or three of them, you can expect a huge day. Um, he's one of these deep sleepers. I, I have him in the danger zone. Uh, 
so again, you know, this is for those folks who are in super deep leagues and desperate for a play. So I like that call. No team's been targeted uh, by wide receivers more than the L.A. Rams. 115 leads the NFL, third most receiving yards allowed to receivers, too. Boom. There you go. <laughs> he has seen five targets in each of the last three games, too. He's only caught four of those 15, but as we Not saw great. against the Jets, he went two for 112 and a touch. So there you go. Awesome. All, all you need is one of those to, to hit for saying. you to get your 12 points or whatever. That's Rob what Woods saying. is a good play, too. 18 yep. targets last two weeks. Absolutely. All right, let's do EDG. Every damn game. We're going to go around the horn, uh, and I want you guys to give me one player, one interesting stat uh, that you guys are watching in these particular games. We shall start with Matt Harmon, Texans versus the Vikings. Yeah, we mentioned that this is a game where we don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, Xavier Rhodes returned in week three, and since then they've allowed 23 yards to Kelvin Benjamin and Odell Beckham because Benjamin didn't catch any, and Beckham caught 23. Uh, he only shadowed Beckham, though. He did not shadow Kelvin Benjamin. And going back, this is from Next Gen Stats, going back to the last five times that Xavier Rhodes has shadowed a wide, a top wide receiver over the last uh, two years, 27 yards to Calvin Johnson in 2015, 29 yards to Demarius Thomas in 2015, 40 yards again to Calvin Johnson in 2015, Julio Jones, 26 yards, and then Odell Beckham, obviously the 23 yards last uh, last week, and only one touchdown allowed to that entire group. So it'll be important to monitor who Rhodes is going to play. Is he going to shadow one of these guys? And you know, it wouldn't even shock me if he ends up shadowing Will Fuller and leaves DeAndre Hopkins to the secondary corner and maybe they'd bracket him or something. I really want to just kind of like go back and nerd out and watch like the coverage <laughs> scheme there because it's a really interesting proposition because right now I have a feeling teams are more afraid of, Will Fuller? of what Will Fuller can do with to them because no t like I think even Mike Zimmer said his speed yep. is quote nerve-wracking. I was just going to say he Zimmer actually called out Fuller in a press conference not in like a bad way but was like yeah. he mentioned he exactly speed was nerve-wracking so you know Zimmer is going to be scheming against that. Yeah, I mean I don't particularly want to play Hopkins or Fuller. Uh, I mean, we know that Fuller has the game-breaking ability. If you need to throw him out there, you just need upside, like, go for it. But Rhodes has been just balling out since he returned this year, along with his entire defense. It's crazy. He's been injured. I mean, it's nuts. Uh, Bears at Colts. MG, what you got? Uh, I'm looking at Brian Hoyer. I mean, last week I think we all thought he was a sleeper, and he had a really nice game. Uh, I think this week, uh, franchise mentioned the Colts – opting to not take the bye after playing in London, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher to me, and now having to you know, go back home and deal with time zones and all those stuff. Uh, Hoyer actually has two starts, has been over 300 yards and had two touchdowns in each of those two starts. Uh, I don't see why he can't do it again. The only concern, the Colts could be getting Vontae Davis back this week, which right. will actually be an upgrade to their what is off, was an awful, awful defense, but uh, Vontae Davis can't cover everybody. So, you know, I think Brian Hoyer is another guy. You know, you talked about uh, Harmon uh, Anderson being maybe the top uh, streaming quarterback. I don't know that Brian Hoyer is too far behind him in that this week. Please, God, let this be a high-scoring game. <laughs> <laughs> Jets at Steelers. Alex, what you got? The big thing for me in this game is uh, Sammy Coates looking at that matchup. The Jets are one of the worst secondaries at giving up big plays. They lead the league with seven receptions allowed of 40-plus yards. They're tied for second 
in receptions of 20-plus yards with 17. Marquee, or Sam, Sammy Coates, excuse me, on the flip side, leads the league with five catches of 40-plus yards. He's thirds in yards per, third in yards per reception behind only Julio Jones and Kenny Stills of guys with 20-plus targets. And on the Steelers' offense, he's played the second-most snap at wide receiver. We've talked about it numerous times on here how they've been looking for like an athletic big play threat that they lack with Martavis Bryant and Ladarius Green out. Right. I really think this could be a chance where they target Sammy Coates a lot. I know Wes was saying in the preview of this game on the ATM podcast that Big Ben is one of the mo- most like frequent quarterbacks that when he's looking through his progressions and it's touchdown, first down, check down, he's always throwing touchdown. And at home where Ben is great, I think this could be a huge Sammy Coates game. All right, Titans at Dolphins, Matt Harmon. Yeah, this one is interesting to me. I think it's a good spot for the Dolphins passing game. Stop. It's uh, not interesting to you. You know that. Okay, well, I don't mean interesting okay. and like I want to watch <laughs> any of <laughs> But I think – but it's it, – no, actually, uh, me – yeah. Shut up for a second, okay. uh, my drop, uh, because I think like uh, that while it is not an interesting football game in the slightest, I think there are some things that could matter for fantasy. You know, the Titans' defense is hashtag bad. Yep. We know that their pass defense, especially, uh, not very good. Jarvis Landry, and I think, of course, is in line for a pretty good game. He actually has double-digit targets in the last eight games he's played, and that Crazy. that might be the longest streak in the NFL right now. I, I know several other big-name receivers have have not made that, but. Also, Devontae Parker, interesting to me in this game. He plays primarily uh, at the right wide receiver position. 45% of his snaps this year have come from that spot. He's going to play against a very burnable corner, Parrish Cox, who, while he has two interceptions on the year, quarterbacks have targeted Cox on 25.8% of his coverage attempts. He's allowed 18 catches for 228 yards and two touchdowns thus far. Let's when not you- forget they've they've targeted him with truck sticks in the open field, True. too. Matt Stafford also did truck him in the, Matt in Stafford the open field. Took, Matt Stafford took his soul. But yeah, I mean, I think Cox is like a playmaking corner, but at the same time, definitely burnable. This could be a really big Devontae Parker game uh, if you're looking for like a sleeper flex option. I think this is a solid one. You know, real quick, I, yeah. you know, the, there's been a lot of talk about how the Dolphins secondary, which isn't great, has been burned by number one wide receivers. But yes. am I wrong in feeling like Tajay Sharp is kind of a stretch to, to, say to, as keep, a number that, one? to keep that going? Yeah. I know that. I mean, I've just heard some talk that hey, maybe you give Tajay Sharp a look this week because the Dolphins have been bad against number one receivers. I just no. I just don't feel like no. he's that guy to keep. No, that. Marcus, Sharp. Marcus Mariota's broken right now too. I know. I'm not going to trust anybody in that exactly. Game. Uh, Sharp's I, a nice player. Except Delaney Walker, I can trust Delaney Walker. Nope. Wow. Nope. <laughs> wow, not even Delaney. Wow. Uh, it's going to be another big demotion. I'm out. Game. <laughs> we need to talk trade. Delaney Walker in the desk league. You're in the desk league, right? I am. All right, we need to talk trade after this week is over. Eagles at Lions. MG, my guy, Mark Scrant. Uh, we mentioned the name before, but I'm looking at Jordan Matthews. I think he has a really big week. Part of it is that the Lions have given up 13 red zone touchdowns to wide receivers. That is the most in the league. And uh, just Jordan Matthews and Carson Wentz seem to be working really well together. Yeah, they, they have a really great rapport. Yep. Um, you know, I think. I think we underrated Jordan Matthews because he was you know, mediocre last year, and then you had the rookie quarterback that we didn't know anything about, really. Uh, but he has certainly exceeded expectations, and I expect him to play well again this week. Pats at Cleveland. WizKid. Uh, the biggest thing for me is how the passing distribution is going to shake out now that Brady's there. Uh, especially with Gronk banged up, we know Edelman is a favorite of his. Like This is a good stat from Adam Levitan uh, on Twitter. In Edelman's last 16 games with Brady, he's seen 176 targets, 119 catches, 1,355 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So is this entire passing offense going to start funneling from him? As Franchise hinted at, could we see some James White? 
I don't know yet. Like, I'm assuming it's going to morph back into the short passing game, move yep. the sticks that they've always had. But it's a got, Daniel Jeremiah game. They've got move the sticks. They've got Chris. Her- they've got oh, Chris nice. Hogan there now. Seven Eleven. Like Martellus Bennett. I'm just. I don't know how it's going to shake out. Edelman. I feel great about starting him this week. Uh, yeah. I got him oh, ranked, yeah. Got him ranked pretty highly. But that's what I will be watching. And I think we could learn a lot from moving forward, seeing how the offense operates with Brady back under center. Uh, I will say this. You know, uh, our researcher Evan Lazar. Mm-hmm. He wrote an awesome piece. Yes, he uh, did talking yeah. about how uh, quarterbacks in their 18th season uh, fall off a cliff. And uh, there's Tom Brady right there. Tom Brady right there. So I, I'll be interested to see. It. Can he keep? Can he keep it up? By uh, the way, it's in the Boston Herald. It's in the Boston. Yeah. Ooh, for anybody who wants to look it up. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's and definitely I, a good piece. I got. I got to read that one still, and it makes sense. But I think the New England has been. They're smart enough where they've been planning for that for years, which is why they've built this short passing game around Brady. Like you know, Manning last year in Denver didn't have this kind of offense or these kind of players to right. work with when he was falling off a cliff, and neither did Favre in Minnesota. So yep, there you go. that'll be very interesting to watch, though. All right. Uh, gosh, I lost my place. Where am I here? Uh, Washington at Baltimore. Matt yeah. Harmon. Now, this game actually really interests me from both a real-life perspective oh, yeah. and from a fantasy perspective because we've got Terrence West starting running back. Washington allows the highest uh, yards per carry, most yards, and I think the most touchdowns to the league running backs they do not defend the run well your future hall of famer kenneth dixon is questionable for this game the uh the 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 coaching staff has even said despite what every idiot on fantasy twitter wants to think that they have said they will ease him in so west i think is an rb1 play this week would not surprise me if he scores you know inside the top 10 at all another guy wouldn't surprise me if he scores in the top 10 of his position deshaun jackson yeah buddy one catch for five yards last week against cleveland people are going to be burned on that but i think you throw him right back out there he plays 42% of his snaps at right wide receiver. He's going to go against Sharice Wright, who's been the worst cornerback in the NFL so far in 15, Holy hell. That's a statement. Well, in 100, let me throw some let me throw some numbers for you to look at, James. Okay. Uh, 115 coverage attempts, targeted 29 times through four weeks. He's allowing 16 catches for 202 yards and a whopping five touchdowns. Quarterbacks have a 116.7 passer rating when targeting right this. Oh, that's, that's, that seems bad. That's, poor Sharice Wright has just been pummeled this week in fantasy write-ups and podcasts and other things too. So poor guy, we got smoked by Michael Crabtree a few times last week. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. Where like they have Jimmy Smith on the other side, they don't really shat- like Jimmy Smith doesn't shadow top receivers. Right. It's like you just thump this other guy who's the clear weak link on the team. Uh, and Baltimore is another team that has a pretty good run defense. So I think that this is a week where Jackson, who caught his lone touchdown of the season from the right side of the field, I think this is where you play him. That makes I love me it. sad because Sharice Wright is a Trojan. Uh, he is. Hey, I wasn't gonna bring that up. Sean <laughs> Jackson, Cal Bear. Let's go ATL at Denver. Tevin Coleman's supposed to play? Yeah, probably not, though. Come on. Uh, Tevin I, Coleman, don't play, buddy. He, I know you listen to this podcast. Tevin Coleman, I mean, don't play, bud. The word, <laughs> word around the campfire is that he may play, but he will get a, a reduced workload in this one. Um, there are a couple things I'm actually looking at here. One, uh, first off, this is very much, I think, a statement game for the Falcons, to, at least offensively, to see if they are as good as we've seen from them in the first few weeks. Right. And they are who we thought they were? Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, but I think, I, honestly, the key piece for the Falcons, I think, on Sunday is not Matt Ryan, it's not Julio Jones, it's probably Devontae Freeman because the Falcons have run a league-leading uh, – they run play action on a league-leading 32% of their pass plays. That's okay. according to, to Football Outsiders. 
they can't do that. I mean, they're, they're running those plays for about 11.5 yards per play. They can't do that if they can't run the football. So Devontae Freeman is going to have to try to establish something early. That will allow Matt Ryan to get into that play action, hopefully kind of freeze that pass rush a little bit, slow Von Miller down just a tad. Right. And then you can get the ball downfield to Julio Jones and whomever else. The other guy I'm really keeping an eye on offensively for the Falcons is Mohamed Sanu. Um, he's a you know kind of a bigger body guy at 6'2", plays a lot in the slot, and could potentially line up uh, on Bradley Roby and potentially some one-on-one matchups. And Roby has struggled a little bit against some bigger-bodied receivers working out of the slot. So if that's a potential matchup there, I think that's one that the Falcons might be able to win every so often. I just I feel like the range of outcomes for Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's a very real potential of a very low number. Yeah. But if things work out, I mean, there's the potential that maybe he surprises you and puts up a 20 spot. I wonder if this is going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think it can be. I think it can be, too. Bengals at Cowboys. Wiz, what's up? Uh, I think the big thing to watch here is what is going to go on with the Bengals' ground game. Uh, Dallas, and this is another case where FBA can be misleading, is very good against the run on FPA. But if you look at it, they've only had 68 rush attempts against them because they play, as we've talked about on here, a ton. Such a slow brand of football that right. other teams don't you know don't run against them as often because it, it takes their own time off the clock. But uh, even though they've only had 68 rush attempts, they're still out averaging or allowing 4.85 yards per carry. That's the fourth highest figure wow. in the league. Their front seven is still kind of missing a few pieces. They get Demarcus Lawrence back, but it's not. They've got so many people on suspension and injury and stuff like that that this could kind of be a game for the Cincinnati offense to get right and feed Jeremy Hill and try and get that offensive line going. So that's what I think this could be a sneaky good game to play Hill. And as we mentioned, they're still so bad in the red zone. They're not getting Tyler Eifert back. Jeremy Hill, if they get close to that goal line, is their best threat after A.J. Green. So it could be a solid bounce-back game for Hill and the Cincinnati running game. Chargers at Raiders could possibly be the highest-scoring game of the weekend. Matt Harmon, what you got? Uh, it could be. And just so you, everybody knows, Latavius Murray's officially been declared out oh, while we're recording go. this. Um, I want to talk about uh, kind of like not even related to the game. I want to talk about Melvin Gordon real quick. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about – you know, Melvin Gordon's yards per carry are, are low. A lot of people made the point if, well, you know, he's leads the league in red zone rush attempts going into week five. Maybe that's contributed to it. Uh, I looked at it this this morning. You looked at the numbers? I did. I looked at the numbers. Did the math per <laughs> the results. Uh, Gordon has 50 rushes outside of the red zone for 100 and. 181 yards, no touchdowns, obviously, because those have all been goal line touchdowns. He averages 3.62 yards per carry when not in the red zone. So I think that's kind of a done narrative. I think Melvin Gordon is just not good. The question is – Wow. Vol- I mean, I don't think he's a good running back. I think he gets a lot of volume, uh, which is nice. So And the volume should probably still be there. Um, but I, I still think it might be – So I'm going worth- to cape up for Melvin Gordon. There you go. I was big Atta on baby. I, how much is it impacted by who's not there? I mean, it totally might be. I just think, like, if you, even if you just watch him play, it's been kind of, like, eh, un, like not super impressive. My point is, if you can sell him for top five running back prices, I think that's great. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I've, heard, I've even heard some people tell, selling him for top wide receivers, and I think that's ideal. The, the thing is, like, the volume's not going to go anywhere. I think Gordon would have to, like— well, What's a good price? Like, are we talking, like, Marvin Jones? I would sell Gordon for Jones. I would take Marvin Jones in a heartbeat, but I'm saying— 
I, well, I mean, roster construction and everything, but wow, that's yeah. I mean, if you could get somebody like a like just even any receiver that you think is reasonably going to be a top twelve receiver, I would take them over Gordon. I okay. mean, he's going to have to throw up all over his shoes to not be like a top fifteen running back just right. because of the volume is not going anywhere. That's the thing. Like you can say, well, he's pumped up by volume, which is fine. Like we don't really care about that in fantasy. Like as long as he's getting points, and yep. those are going to continue to come. But if the touchdowns go away, that's the worry. Mm. Is he still going to be able to crank out? You know, like an eight point game because he gets to 80 yards on 15 carries and I, I could see this being a game script where he gets blotted out of the game because Oakland is so bad at defending the pass if they just go pass heavy in San Diego and he doesn't score touchdowns you could be looking at a 15 carry for 35 yard game it's also Mike McCoy so he probably won't do that Mike McCoy is uh, is not that great. San Diego, like, just I feel like they have an art for blowing games. Oh no! Oh, I've been saying that for the last few. I mean, you know, we they love to lose games in the fourth. People give the Browns a hard time for how they lose games, but man, the the Chargers, man, they rip the hearts out of their fans regularly. As somebody who doesn't care about anything and especially doesn't care about the Chargers, like a lot of times on Sundays, like I'll be watching them, be like, man, they're winning, nice, like the, the Saints. Week three or week four, and then in week one too, same thing. Like over yeah. the Chiefs, I'm like, and then all of a sudden I look back and I'm like doing the box scores for the opportunity report. I'm like, wait, they lost that game? How the yeah. hell did that happen? Uh, this was a fun stat from Adam Rank's like dislike this okay. week, which you guys can read at NFL.com/slash like dislike. The Chargers are one and two the season when leading by more than 13 points in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. The rest of the NFL is 28 and 0 in the same situation. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, that's an art. <laughs> that that's is a talent. amazing. Like it's you have a- to aspire to be that bad. To, that. I think Mike McCoy will get a pass because of all the injuries this year. Uh, but Jason didn't that Franco. happen last year, man? Like, nah, just, you gotta make a change. I don't know. They, they had a lot of change with the, last year, the training and conditioning. Yeah, right? Like, that's Maybe that's crazy. where the change needs to happen. Three of their best, like, three of their most important players, Danny Woodhead, Keenan Allen, and Jason, uh, Brett. Jason Brett, and also Manti Teo, are hurt. Like that's crazy. That, I mean, that is either you're snake bitten or something's going on. There. Yeah, Amari Cooper, all the points I believe in this ball game as I well. I think I think Cooper could have a big game. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a good contrarian playing DFS. Everybody's people, off of him. People are off of him. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but he's been close too. Bills at L.A. from the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, the former home of Marcus Grant. Uh, I lived there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> wow. Hey, you, hey, you live you lived there on Saturdays, pal. Uh, I did for uh, for about four years. Um, so this is gonna sound weird, but Kenny Britt. Oh no! Yay! Oh, Jesus. No! Look, I, look, this, and this is not like I'm not saying you need to go plug him in or go grab him off the waiver wire, but let's let's just let's just take a moment to recognize that he has been the best receiver on this team, and this is coming from a dude who spent the whole offseason hyping up Tavon Austin. We're not going to talk about that, right? Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kenny Britt has he has a, he has a, you know. He has leads the team with 281 receiving yards. He doesn't have any touchdowns, and that's kind of been the difference. Brian right. Quick has three receiving touchdowns, but as we detailed on Monday in the podcast, yep. two of them have come on busted plays where he just you know catches the ball and runs unencumbered into the end zone. Kenny Britt has been kind of the go-to guy for Case Keenum in this offense. He's been the downfield threat more than anybody else here. And against a Bills team that is probably going to sell out to stop Todd Gurley like every other defense before them, right. Uh, this could be another opportunity where Kenny Britt starts to make plays, and eventually it gets to a point where you can't 100% ignore him. Maybe you're not playing him every week, 
but you can't ignore him, and eventually he's going to have to end up on rosters. At some point, he's got to get into the end zone too, right? I mean, if he's seeing this much work. Uh, you know, I would always think that, but, you know, remember the Chiefs wide receivers from a couple years ago. That's, yeah, that's true. So. I, I thought you were going to talk about um, Reggie Bush's first ever trip to the Coliseum. Oh, his first – we don't, we don't acknowledge him in that building? Yeah, he's never been there. <laughs> the, the, in, the NCAA does not now, – now, look. Uh, Side story: I was, you know, at SC for a game last week and okay. walked through Heritage Hall just because yes. I enjoyed doing that, seeing, you know, the, the trophies and stuff. Hundred uh, percent. The Heisman Trophy for one Orenthal James Simpson is still there. No, it's not. It is there. Is it really? It is there. That is ridiculous. Uh, Come on. But but we don't acknowledge Reggie Bush, who biggest, whose biggest crime was getting a house, right? Which That's he probably deserved. So. There. Yeah, might have, might, what? might have, that. whatever. That. that is unbelievable. Okay, uh, where are we? Giants at Packers. Of course, we go to Alex Yelhar for this one. Uh, and as I kind of teased earlier, my my thing I'm going to be watching is does Odell Beckham set a new record for receiving yards? <laughs> <laughs> because the Giants, this this goes so many ways. Because yeah, uh, first for the Giants offense, like there's no Sam Shields as you mentioned. Green right. Bay allows a league worst 16.26 yards per reception to wide receivers. Jeez. And as we mentioned, 21 receptions for 459 yards and three touchdowns through three games to opposing number ones. They just don't have anybody that can match up with Odell by himself. So they're going to ha- they're gonna have to try and bracket him the whole time, but they won't do that. So he's going to pop off for big plays. And on the flip side, if you think about it too, like the Green Bay offense is probably going to be able to score. The New York secondary is banged up. Green yep. Bay is coming out of its bye. Rodgers and McCarthy. At home. At home. Rodgers and McCarthy are historically great after their bye week. So this could be a shootout. And uh, Odell Beckham could just thump the Packers. So if you've been, if you have him in your lineup and you've been Sunday cry- night crying about him not scoring a touchdown or whatever, yeah. well, put him in and just watch <laughs> the points rack up like a dang pinball machine. I can't wait to watch this game. This game's gonna be yeah, fascinating. Gonna be I cannot watch. I can't wait to watch this game. Sunday night football at Lambeau. Giants. Packers. Man. Also, in- I think I- 14, fourteen to ten. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, oh, undoubtedly. Uh, d- the freaking uh, Vikings-Texans game is going to have more points than this one. But, no, I think this is a good game for Randall Cobb to <laughs> get better back, not. too. Yeah. I'm joking. Harm- Harmon wrote about it in Next Gen Matchups. You know, we're talking about it a little bit. I think this is a good bounce back game I do kind of like – I was, like, trying to tell people to hold on till you get past the bye week, and that game against the Giants could potentially be the Randall Cobb redemption. Okay. They suffer over the middle of the field. The Packers don't have a dynamic tight end. I know you love Rich Raj, but he's No, their tight end is getting slow. chicken heads at, you know, yeah, Buffalo chain, chain restaurants. <laughs> so this, could be a, this could be a chance where they roam, let Randall Cobb roam out of the slot and attack the seam in the middle of the field, and he racks up a bunch of yards and maybe gets in the end zone. All right, last game of the week, Buckos at Panthers. We go to the Panthers homer. Oh, my God. I'm, West Virginia if I, product, if, man. If I'm a homer, I'm literally <laughs> the, the worst, worst homer ever. You're the worst homer ever, right. I, have, I, I think I've thrown that hat of, the, of theirs on my desk <laughs> into the trash can like ten times this week. <laughs> you also have an L.A. Rams hat. Just That's because I have no loyalty. Right, exactly. I don't know. I don't, I don't He's a Fairweather fan. That's why. Not even a Fairweather fan. I'm you just like, like bad teams, apparently. Yeah, I just – no, well, I don't know. He is kind of a masochist, so he would want to like I, bad teams. That I, I, I don't know things. what I want. Oh, right. Buckles um, at Panthers. What I feel want? like we've kind of covered everything with this game. Derek yep. Anderson, definitely a good streamer. I mean, again, the guys – you feed your guys in this game. But, yeah, definitely Cameron Bright's the one player that I'm watching uh, this week. And really, I think if I'm going to say any more, I'm probably forcing it. Okay, great. Let's do Daily Daps and get out of here. All right, Daily Dap Time. I'll start this time. How about that? Uh, I've been watching a brand new show. Not a brand new show. I've been watching a new show to me anyways on Amazon Prime, uh, Man in the High Castle. Oh, I've heard great things. You know, it, it's actually really funny. I, I think it's well done. 
Uh, I think the acting is poor, but it's still incredibly interesting. I stayed up way too late last night watching, trying to binge watch some episodes. So, but uh, but I'm like five episodes in. It's really good, really interesting. I'm also a sucker for concept type stuff. You and know that's that's about as high of the high concept as you get in right. television. And exactly. Stuff. So basically, it's a world where Germany and Japan won World War Two. And now they have taken over America. Anyways, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it's free. It's cool. It's a good watch. Uh, I think they're into their second season now. I just started it. I'm addicted. Uh, Again, acting, not the greatest, but overall pretty well done. Daily Daps to Man in the High Castle. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Uh, Daily Daps goes out to John Boyce and SB Nation. Uh, I guess he's doing a series, I don't don't guess, I know, uh, called Pretty Good. Uh, where he basically just, it's kind of a longer form video piece and they do different stories. Now, I was unaware of this series until today, but this okay. is apparently the 10th episode. What caught my eye is that it is about the greatest, beatdown is not even the right word. I mean, that's how the actually how the piece starts. Beatdown isn't the word. Uh, Georgia Tech destroying Cumberland 222 to nothing because today is the 100th anniversary of that game. What? Uh, you, are you not aware of this? The the most one-sided sporting event probably in yep. maybe sports history. Uh, yeah, it was 100 years ago today. And he goes back and he kind of researches it because, you know, obviously it was 100 years ago. You didn't have, you know, the re- reporting and the archiving that we do now. Do we have YouTube clips? Uh, there are no YouTube clips, but he kind of recreates it using, like, you know, electric football guys and an almond for the football. No way. Uh, it's really – and I haven't watched the whole time. I've got about halfway through it, and it is amazing because I always saw the score, and always you always kind of wonder, like, how exactly does that – I mean, how do you score 32 touchdowns in the course of a football game? And there are some weird quirks. I mean, it's 100 years ago. The rules of the game were different, and that's sort right. of thing that allowed this to happen – and there was a lot of hate. There was there were a lot of vendettas, a lot of revenge going around revenge in games? this game. Ooh. Um, and so, I've, like I said, I've watched half of it. It's incredibly entertaining. It's really informative. I can't wait to finish it. But uh, okay. even through the first nine minutes of this 18-minute piece, it is it is outstanding. So daily depths to that. Go check it out on SB Nation. Uh, just look up Georgia Tech Cumberland, and you'll find it. Wiz Kid from Wisconsin. A uh, couple quick daily daps. One goes out to Malcolm Jenkins, who uh, safety for the Eagles. He's been a good player on the field for a number of years, but right. in light of all the stuff that's going on in the country and other things, and like earlier this week, there was that Mike Freeman story about all the NFL players that support Trump and stuff. And uh, Malcolm Jenkins this year has not been afraid to speak openly and thoughtfully on a lot of things. So I think it's really cool that he uh, he's off- offering a unique perspective from his position on the field, and he does a lot. I've been tweeting with some people from the Philadelphia area for the community and for things in there. So, cool. uh, Daily Daps to Malcolm Jenkins because I think he's just doing a lot of cool stuff. And then uh, Daily Daps to all of you guys, too, for grabbing a drink with me last Friday uh, after <laughs> after work and stuff. <laughs> Went through some personal things. So it was good to good to have some, some, some friends out there with you and, uh, you know, grab a drink to make it through everything. And uh, it was the last time Harmon and I could drink beer for a month. There so. you go. I can't believe we haven't hashed out all that on the podcast yet. We'll do that. That'll we'll be on the Feelings later. Podcast. That'll be on the Feelings Podcast. Feelings Podcast. <laughs> good. Perfect. Matt Harmon, what's going on? Yeah, speaking of the Feelings Podcast, uh, my dap goes out to an article that I read this morning from the Seattle Times uh, written by Jason Jenks. It, it profiles um, uh, Kevin Pierre-Louis. He's a he's a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks and okay. his battle with depression. Uh, huh dating back to his time at Boston College and how he's uh, how he's he's dealing with it or how he's living through it now. 
Uh, it's a really good piece. He, Pierre, Pierre Lewis is really honest in it, and uh, the, the, especially the ending uh, was really, really real, and I, I liked it. It was really good to read. I would definitely recommend anybody reading it, and especially I know Kid Cudi checked himself into rehab right, for suicidal for urges yeah. and depression, so it was, it was kind of resonating with that as well. Uh, it's an issue that I take really seriously, so... I think anybody would benefit from reading it just to gain further perspective, whether you're familiar with somebody that's that's dealt with it or not, or or you haven't. It's just always good to read these sort of stories, especially one that right you know at the moment like has a very happy ending. It's it's really cool to see. So moving piece, I would definitely check it out. By the way, The Rock also dealt with depression as well and has spoken openly about his battles there. Brandon yeah. Marshall is another guy mm-hmm. who has dealt with. Brandon Marshall's a football life is fantastic. Yes. If you yeah. guys have never seen it too, because he talks very openly about that and his other mood disorders and things and right. his wife is there to offer perspective as well yep i mean i've written i've written piece about my struggles with it too like exactly. it's, it's a very real thing and i think anytime we can have like a educated discussion about it uh it is good you know by the way uh, more more importantly just normalizing it right? yeah just exactly like no more stigma that, right around that yeah because p- i mean i think people like and he made the point in the piece like that somebody that interacted with him would never think that that was something that he was dealing with and i've had people tell me that too sure but that's but that's the way it is and just again being aware and, and normalizing it it's it's something that's good for all of us so definitely read the piece it, it it's it just it's very you very, tweeted it this morning right i, I did tweet it. it's on my so it's on my timeline if you can put up with following me uh you don't have to you can just go there and, and click the link or you can google <laughs> you it as well <laughs> just wow we got we got dangerously close to the feelings podcast there that was a little good. bit you damn right we did <laughs> all right great show gentlemen for the whiskey from wisconsin for mg my guy marcus grant and matt Harmon. i am james co franchise we'll see you monday thanks for listening You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.